like many of you, surviving on cough drops and water, <laughs> having gotten through the virus about three weeks ago, but that cough and, uh, and, and tickly, irritated throat lingers. So, uh, but uh, God is good. The, the word that uh, I've got for you this morning, really, um, um, uh, two things, is going to be uh, something that the Lord has laid on my heart oh, more than just past this week, two or three weeks past. Um, it has been uh, growing in me, a word that's been growing. So I wanted to, uh, we're going to have a lot of scriptures here to go through, and most of them are going to be from the book of Proverbs, and it's about wisdom. So I'm going to run through this fast, but I've got the notes printed and prepared so that as we go through this, you'll see that there's, um, there's progression here and some reasoning, and these fit together for a reason, and we're going somewhere with this. Um, so you'll see how they will fit together, all these passages, okay? And I want you to have um, something to take with you as well. So um, now if you remember last uh, month when I shared uh, a word, it was, I used passages really just pretty much with James chapter 2 and James chapter 4 um, there. Um, and, and those were about... Um, Faith, uh, faith in works is in James chapter 2 and in James chapter 4 about um, also uh, putting it into action, humbling ourselves before the, uh, the mighty hand of God. And, uh, and uh, there's, uh, that chapter starts off with, with uh, strife, fighting, hostilities among us and the, the, what's going on in us, what we want, we, we have, we don't have, and we want, so we strive, and then we um, uh, bicker, and, and, uh, and right sandwich in between chap chapter 2 and chapter 4 is this chapter 3 with a focus on wisdom and the difference and the contrast between wisdom from God above and the wisdom that is from this earth, from this world, or from ourselves. It could be from education, but it could be just from uh, seat of the pants wisdom from this world and its experience. God's, the knowledge and the knowledge of him and the knowledge that you're going to get of why you're here, who, who you are in the first place, and then why you're here, the purpose you have, um, and what it all means, and where you're going and where you're going to get there. That's going to come from um, him and from the revelation of him. And until you have that, all the rest of it, I don't care how many meme memes or, or memes or whatever you read or put or, or post nice little one sentence uh, you know um, uh, sayings there um, what do, what does it mean you could do that all day and be more confused and and still feel uh, not complete and whole as a whole we you know we need a, a bigger context to put all of that in and this is what, as I, as I studied this and got into what the Bible says about the wisdom from above, and we'll hopefully get to James 3, 13 to 18 by the end of this uh, message. I'll tell you what, uh, I, I was really blessed, especially Friday when I was putting these notes together. It just um, was a joy. It came like a fire uh, on me. All It was like the book of Proverbs. You ever notice how... Um, if you read the book of Proverbs, a lot of us here at the Net used to read the book of Proverbs a chapter a day, 31 chapters, 31 days in the month, right? And we'd, a lot of folks would do that. And it, and it got to know uh, this book well when you're constantly in it. Well, the book of Proverbs, um, as you know, if you've been reading the Bible at all, is a practical application. It's practical um, instruction for the here and now, for life in this world. It has um, its roots in understanding beyond this world, otherworldly, but it's about answering the questions of this life. Everything from finances, agriculture, marriage, parenting, um, relationships between fathers and son. But most of all, the biggest part of it, the first third of the book, about the first nine chapters or so, is instructions from the older uh, man, Solomon, most of it, 
is writing it to give instructions about living this life as he's now a, his son is his son is now a young adult and going into the world and he's going to face a lot of things in the world. I've been there and I've been through it and I want you to avoid these pitfalls and avoid these people when you hear these key sayings. Come on with us. Let's go this way. Let's do that. Here's when you hear this being said. Don't go with them. Go that way. Make sure, be very careful who you're hanging with and who you're not hanging with. Um, a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. Um, walk with the wise, you'll be wise. There's instruction from the older to the younger. And the, that's what the entire book is about. And it's about the here and now. And if you remember <clears throat> last month when I was, when I was um, speaking to you from James chapter 2 and 4, remember that I pointed out to you that that James was not the James... Uh, of the twelve, not the, not the James brother of John, son of Zebedee, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote that letter of James, right? So that James was a James was the, the, the young man who actually didn't believe in the Lord Jesus until the, after the resurrection. Then the family came. Before that, they were trying to get him to come back home and, and, and uh, you're scaring us. You know, you're, you're making too much of yourself. And uh, they did not understand that. It was in that context Jesus said, no, my mother and my brothers are here, those who hear the word of God and do it. Those are my mother and my brothers. Um, and they, James didn't understand that. Well, this, his younger brother, James, grew up with the Lord Jesus. Imagine that, uh, the son of God in your household as you're growing up. And He's not just, um, I gotta believe he wasn't there finding fault. Well, darn, if, he did, if, that's, if that was what he's doing, is picking apart the, the way you're doing things at fault and not really, but he'd have been doing nothing else but that all day long, every day, because um, every single one of men is, is full of faults and failures, right? But he didn't do that. But he gave him understanding, he gave wisdom to them. And the book of James, I believe, is. Is uh, a lot of what James grew up, he grew up with the Lord Jesus as a child. And the things that, uh, when we read that book, and we'll get there to that passage in chapter 3, it's a book that's practical. And it's a book that says, if you don't have the works, you don't have the faith. If you ain't living it, you ain't believing it. If you ain't, do, if you ain't doing it, you don't have it on the inside. If it's not coming out, I don't care how uh, good your religious practice is and looks on the outside, real fruit that looks like God is going to be born out of a life that is in with him. And that, may, that gives new light to when Jesus, the only incident we find about Jesus' childhood before he turns 30 and goes public was when he was 12 and the parents were with, um, they were in Jerusalem celebrating the feast. They went back, got on their camels and donkeys, and they're going back home. And they realized after about two days out, he ain't with us. Where's Jesus? Oh, man, we got to go back to Jerusalem and find him. Where is he? He's in the temple. <laughs> he wasn't debating with the, priests, uh, the, the rabbis. He was teaching them as one who had authority. He was 12. <laughs> And he was telling them the word of God with authority. And his answer to Mary is, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? Now, this was a man, the, a man who, uh, when they saw that, what does it say Mary did? As they're, as they're taking the rest of the way back home now with him and with Christ in tow, they said, she treasured these things in her heart. You can imagine mulling over that. He's got a will. He's got a purpose and a mission far greater than uh, just what you and I would think of. What am I going to be and do for a living when I grow up? Better prepare for it. Better get some schooling. I got he had a mission greater than that. He had understanding of the way things work because he knew the God who wrote the word. Right? He remember that? And so you know how we have our Bibles today and we print, a lot of them, print the words of Christ in red. We could probably print most of the book of James in red. Well, if not red, at least orange. Because James is paraphrasing the things that he learned that Christ taught. And when we get to that part about the contrast between wisdom of God versus the wisdom of the world, 
you can know that I believe he learned these from the feet of his older brother, the one who was teaching the rabbis in the temple when he was, when they, when he was 12. So let's move on. Uh, I want to give you, um, you get two sides of the page. Uh, the first part of this, we're going to look at uh, what is wisdom. Let, let's, let, see, let's let the book tell us. Um, and it's largely from the book of Proverbs, but there's a few other places. Wisdom is essential, and I'm gonna, so I'm going to read through this. So have the notes in front of you, because um, otherwise the passages that we're going to read won't uh, make sense to you as far as why and what they are. So let's just, it's, it's pretty simple, but I'm going to have to, we're going to have to fly through this. It's a little bit more of a Bible study here today for you, but um, I'm hoping that you're going to get uh, some fire out of this as well in your hearts for the Lord. The essential need of wisdom for life, success, growth, and fruitfulness. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to uh, you're going to spiral down and you're going to keep hitting the same wall over and over again. You're not going to grow and, you're, and ultimately there won't be fruit born unless there is a foundation of your life. It's called the wisdom, which is the knowledge of God. Look at, uh, uh, let's go to the first one, Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you've forgotten the law of your God, then we could insert the, the word of God there, because he's not necessarily talking about the 613 stipulations and laws in the Torah, but he's talking about the revelation of God himself through the words, all of his words. I will forget your children. God can't even bless our kids and our families if we are not building our homes on the solid foundation of the knowledge of him. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And uh, wisdom and knowledge are connected and they're interrelated. Uh, knowledge, by the way, in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Gnosko, is never just uh, book learning and facts. Uh, like we have today in education. It is experiential. It is a knowledge of the way things work. Um, an electrician knows um, his, his trade, not just because he, know, he studied and understands Ohm's law and amperage and volts, how they work in the classroom, but he also has done a residency for about five years on, the, on site and knows what wires to use for what application for certain currents and, and what connections to make and how to make them and what uh, type of connectors. There's, he, he doesn't get um, placed in those positions until there's an, a resident. Same thing with a doctor. Um, he's got to know anatomy and he's got to have uh, the facts of how things work and why things work, but I don't want him taking a knife to my gut or doing brain surgery or heart surgery until he's done a residency and he's worked with other doctors who know there and have been there and have done it physically for a certain period of time. And even when he gets to do his first one, he's got experienced ones standing alongside of him to make sure he doesn't, you know, hit the wrong uh, chord. Or, you know, right? There, there, there's, there's knowledge that comes with experience and that is the kind um, that the, when we read about knowledge in, here in Scripture, Knowledge is a, the knowledge of God is experiential. I know him because I've met him and I've experienced God. Remember that book, um, Blackaby, Experiencing God? We did a lot of studies about that a couple decades ago in, in this church. It's, it, there's an experience. It, you've experienced God. You know him. And it involves intimacy and it, it, it involves actually experience. Remember that? Um, Adam knew his wife. She bore a child because there's, there's an intimacy. There's a knowledge that isn't just uh, information. So knowledge, having the experience of God, then wisdom takes it to another level by saying that this wisdom knows what's going to happen when certain uh, criteria and certain things are going to take place that you see. You, you can... Uh, a wise person, a parent, if he's wise and cares about his children, is going to see the result before it happens. 
because he sees this is happening and that's happening and these influences are there and my kid's listening to that and here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a fall. There's wisdom that's there because, because uh, he has an intimate knowledge of God. He has an intimate knowledge of the situations and he w wants to pass that on. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and we're going to see in a minute how that's connected to wisdom. So move on to um, the next verse. Now, Proverbs 29, 18 says that there, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. Now, vision, too, is I have seen the Lord, and I have eyesight to see. I have uh, not just the individual particulars here, but I can see the bigger picture. Where there's no vision, okay, I have a goal, I know who I am, I know where I'm going, and I know where this thing is supposed to end up and what it's supposed to look like when it's all finished. I may not know the answers of, you know, uh, where are we going to go eat today? Or where are we, where's it, where, where are we going to go? Where's our, where's our next building going to be? Um, God will lead, when, but not without a vision, of what we're supposed to become, and we're going to see that through the light that he gives us, which is primarily in the Scripture, which is God's revelation to us. Where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. We're going, what would say, chaos. Uh, we, don't, we have no self-restraint, and we have nothing uh, 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 that we uh, put on ourselves to, 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 uh, to say stop. Stop this way or that way. We're all over the place because we don't have a goal or vision. If, if a runner doesn't know where the finish line is, he will be going off to the right and to the left. And guess what? That's going to mess up his time. But when he knows where the goal line is and he's going in that direction, he's going to make it, in, to make it as quickly as possible, he's going to want to make it as, with as few steps as possible and with, and, and, unless he's avoiding an opponent, right? So... Lack of vision and lack of knowledge um, were destroyed. Wisdom, the, which is uh, the knowledge and understanding of God, first and primarily, and who He is, is that foundation. So look at um, the next point down here. Wisdom is foundational for the building of a house, a life, a people, a church. Without wisdom, without foundation, that house the house will fail, the house will fall, it collapses and is destroyed. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. You can, you can work and labor all day long, but if it's not God that's calling it doing it, and it's not Him that's doing it through you, not you doing it for Him, God doesn't call lone rangers and He doesn't call people to, uh, He calls people to be obedient. His desire is that it's all Christ living in me and working through me. He does not need me to work for him. If I'm doing it in myself and in my power, that's where Hosea 4.6 comes in. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It is his. And so, first of all, we, it's, it's got to be the Lord that builds the house. They labor in vain, otherwise, who build it. And that, that goes for my life individually, goes for my, my marriage, and it goes for a nation, and it goes for a church. Without wisdom and without foundation, um, we will be doomed to collapse and destroy. So, um, how does that come from? Where does that come? Let me, let's take a look at this. Uh, number one and number two, foundation has to be laid, house built on, house has to be securely built on a foundation, and it must stay on that foundation, which means there's intentionality. I'm going to choose how and where, where I'm going to build my, my marriage. I'm choosing what I'm going to do and what standards and values I'm going to hold. There's got to be intentionality. My will has to be to do His will. It don't happen by osmosis. You're not going to get a godly marriage or a godly family that's going, to, that's going to bear fruit and stay on course unless you choose it daily because the forces against it are enormous. The forces against um, a godly family and your kids growing up are, uh, are enormously hostile to them at school all day if, if they're in public school. And then the entertainment and the media against it to pull down 
uh, thoughts of morality and truth and absolute truth against them daily. And yet, that's my primary responsibility is to build that foundation in my kids so that when they get there and those storms are going to rage against them, they're able to stand and not fall because they're going into a hostile territory. Like it or not, so what the Bible teaches, we're in foreign territory in this world, but we're on the winning side. Know who you are and walk accordingly. Foundation's got to be laid, it has to be intentional, and it has to be without compromise. That's purity. Purity means 100%. I can't have a little bit of God. I can't walk with God and have a little bit of the world on this, and groove on the same time with the songs of this world. It ain't going to work. It will pull, either the world's going to pull me down and make me, and make me conform into its image, or I'm going to choose to be transformed 100%. I can't have anything left in my life or in uh, the way I'm going to live or the way I'm going to pursue my life and my steps. They've got to be ordered by God and, and uh, strengthened and empowered by God or else it won't work. It's got to be pure. No man can serve two masters is what Jesus said. Proverbs 24, 3, 3 to 5 here is how is where that watch the foundation here. Um, by wisdom a house is built, by understanding it is established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong and a man of knowledge increases power. That verse, uh, verses three and four, um, I just, you know, last week I saw uh, uh, a plaque with a scripture at my, my son and daughter-in-law's home. It's on their mantle over their fireplace. And I thought, wow, that is just, I need that one. There's Psalm, that was um, uh, Proverbs 24. By wisdom, a house is built. By knowledge, its rooms are filled with truth. Uh, it's got to be there. Uh, knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 3, go back to uh, chapter 3, verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Now, he doesn't just randomly say, hmm, well, let's, you know, that's kind of a little, little excitement today and a little bit bored. Maybe I'd say, how, how about I make an earth? Boom. Hey, that looks good. Um, there's a sun. They're going to need some light. Um, but it, it, it just doesn't come. And he's, he's not just having random thoughts to do random things. He has purpose. He has intentionality. And there is uh, a goal in the end of that. And guess what that goal was? It was man created in his image. Us created like him to be like him and to be sons like him was the reason for the creation of the heavens and the earth and the relationship we have with him. There's reason and there's purpose behind it. There is design behind it. And um, also, by the way, there's logic, by the way. Uh, logic, by the way, is just a word that comes from logos, which is the word for word in the um, Greek New Testament. The word logos. And Jesus is the logos of God. The word, the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. And the logos became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. It's of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That's the, and so God is not unlogical or illogical. Uh, and so when we come to him, we can know that he's not one way today and tomorrow he's going to maybe be a little schizophrenic. You know what I told you yesterday? Forget all that. Now, here, you've got, got something new for you. No, he doesn't do that he's, he, his, he, because he doesn't change. His truth is eternal as he is eternal and his word is eternal as he is eternal and doesn't change. We built on it. Now, his ways are higher than my ways, and his, the knowledge of him is higher than my own, Isaiah 55 tells us that, so that maybe my logic isn't to be depended on, but his is. It doesn't mean he's illogical because I don't have all the pieces and I don't see all the uh, things. I don't have, we, I, my knowledge is in part, his knowledge is complete and full. So we're called to not rely on our own understanding, but we are to rely on him who is the epitome of knowledge and understanding and logic. <clears throat> By wisdom, let's I'll finish the rest of this passage. 
<clears throat> and by his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, now he's speaking to me personally. Now he's making it personal. What do I want you to get from this? Let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Hold it tightly in your bosom. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you'll know, then you'll be able to walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Then you'll be able to lie down at the end of the day. Your head hits the pillow and you'll not be afraid. Did I do enough today? Did I do it right today? When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Thank God. And don't be afraid. You won't be afraid of sudden fear. Bad news comes on a, on a righteous man. <coughs> it might catch you unawares, <coughs> but you know where you're standing and you know whose hands that you're holding in, that God loves me with an everlasting love and underneath are the everlasting arms. Nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and it will be uh, and will keep your foot from being caught. Ecclesiastes 2.13 um, I saw that wisdom excels folly just as light excels darkness. Not to have wisdom is not to have light. Light is, is always metaphoric for truth in the scriptures. Truth. If you don't have truth and you're not walking in truth, guess what? The scripture says you're in darkness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And he who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I know that the one fate befalls them both. So uh, the wisdom and knowledge are contrasted even here um, as one who walks in light and has his eyes in, 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 uh, lightened by uh, the vision that we have, which ultimately comes and is manifested in Christ. <coughs> Second, uh, uh, we can make the same uh, statement in... Um, where uh, Jesus himself corroborates this in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. Um, I won't read it, but I'm just going to make the point. In the, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he climaxes that message with this, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who's building his house on the rock. He's building his house on the rock. The rest of that goes... And, that, and when the storms came, the floods came, the winds blew, that house stood. The weather and the storms of the world didn't affect it, but the one who doesn't build, in other words, he just doesn't know the things, he's doing the things that God's Word says to do. He's becoming the Word. The Word is forming him into its image because it's alive. It's God's Word, the knowledge of him. That is a wise man. That, in, that involves a brokenness of self to let somebody else's thinking and somebody else's thought who's higher than my own replace my thoughts, my desires, and my thinking. There is wisdom. Jesus is making it clear. And if you walk away from here, Jesus speaking to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking to the multitudes, and you don't take these things to heart and act on them, you're going to be like the one who's building his house on sand. i got to have it my way. And when the storms come and the, and the floods come, that house is washed. And the destruction of that home was great. It was complete. So Christ is corroborating the same thing in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. So, okay. So um, now in the second half, bottom half of this page, wisdom <clears throat> is therefore with those who seek, who receive, and who foster counsel from and, uh, others and with others, as many others as possible who walk in wise guidance. Notice, wisdom is not with those who only consult with themselves, and it is not, secondly, with those who consult with the wicked or the foolish who don't have their eyes on God. Two, two passages, Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2. He who separates himself seeks his own desire and he quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. I'm going to do things. I got this. I don't need me. Um, I know what I'm doing. 
Don't confuse me with the facts. And uh, the thing about it is, is none of us has all the facts compared to God. Our knowledge is imperfect and it's incomplete, and we have greater knowledge when we confide with others around us. And uh, with those, but we have to discern, though, don't we, and discriminate who we're listening to and who we're going to let speak into our lives. That's the second part of this. Uh, first of all, he doesn't hold, he doesn't, the wise man doesn't just follow his own self, his own thinking, his own thoughts, his own understanding, his own desires, but he's open and needs and desires counsel to others. But he, he, under, he learns right away, though, quickly that he's going to have to be careful on who he uh, trusts. And that itself is going to be a, a, a learning curve of wisdom, too, isn't it? So, um, so now in Psalm number one, which, uh, which uh, we don't have time to look, you remember Psalm one, first Psalm, uh, that it says something like, um, uh, how blessed is the man who, uh, uh, who takes uh, counsel. Let me just go there. Not, does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, and in his law, he meditates day and night, Amen. chewing the cud, mulling it over of Amen. the word of God. Because I, why? Because I know that his thoughts are higher than mine, and his ways are higher than my ways. It's the heaven is higher than the earth, and I need him, and it's there for me, and his words give me life. So there um, is this counsel. My, my hunger has to be towards him. So let's look at a couple of passages here at the bottom of this Page, side one, Psalm tw uh, Proverbs 24, 5 and 6. A wise man is strong, a man of, no of knowledge increases power. In verse 6, for by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Uh, not just one or two people who you know are going to give you the answers you want to hear. But men who have been through and they've walked the walk and you trust them and you like the way that they turned out and you can look at their life and say, I want to be like that guy. But look how far I am from the kind of example that he produced and I need to have that. And I don't, uh, men that I can trust like that are men that are going to be honest with me to tell me what the truth about me, about myself, even when I may not like to hear it. But I trusting that kind of counsel because like a dad, they know I, I can trust that their intentions toward me are good and loving and to uh, and it's going to be protection and that they want me to become what God's created me to be. And they may see something in me that's holding that back. I want that kind of counsel of a person that's going to be honest and truthful and transparent, but it's always going to be with love and encouragement because that's how the voice of God is. The voice of God is not one of condemnation. He doesn't come with a whip. By the way, is rod and his staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is Psalm 23. The rod is for, the rod isn't for the sheep. The rod is for the wolves. The staff is for the sheep. The staff leads. The rod protects and brings judgment on the wolf who tries to come eat, steal, kill, and destroy. That comforts me. And I can follow him and I can trust that shepherd because he knows me by name. And he knows where, he knows where to lead me in and to go out from that. So the, as many people as I can get to give me wise counsel, if I come upon them, go that way and gravitate towards that person. 1522, uh, which, by the way, I did see on a meme this week. How about that? Why, when something comes together, it all comes. But without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Many counselors, not just the ones that I, you know, again, want to hear that are going to, you know, back me up. Give me the scriptures that corroborate that I'm, good, that I'm right and I'm doing it on the right way. No, I want to know what God's plan is and I want to become, I want to walk in his ways which are higher than my own ways. And then 1215, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel particular counsel. And then uh, 1320, 
He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffer harm. Make no mistake about it, the Apostle Paul says, bad company corrupts good morals. And if you're going to hang around with folks who have uh, corrupted thinking and their goals are, are to become like what the world uh, has and, and to have the same kind of success that the world says success is, it's, you're, you're, going to, um, you're not going to be walking on a straight and narrow path that's going to lead you upward, but one that's going to be downward and, it, and ultimately maybe just parallel because you're trying to go in two different worlds and one something's going to give at some point. Walk with wise men and you'll be wise. A companion of fools is going to suffer harm. And then uh, 19, 2021, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise for the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart. I want to do this, I want to do that, but the counsel of the Lord is what will stand. We can tell God all day long. I think I mentioned this last, last time I was up here. Um, you, you want to, you, you like a good joke, right? Um, God has a sense of humor too. Do you know how to make God laugh? Just tell him your plans. <laughs> Because he sees the whole thing, and he knows the beginning from the end, and he knows you. Uh, the many, we've got many plans. I want to do this, and I want to become that. And our goals, again, if the Lord doesn't build the house, and this can apply to our church, we labor in vain, and we're, we'll spin our wheels. But the counsel of the Lord will stand. Where do we get that counsel from the Lord? From the Lord Jesus Christ, for, for primarily, because he is the embodiment of all wisdom and knowledge of God. And in him are hidden all the treasures of that wisdom. Uh, so we seek out the wise, walk with the wise to be wise. The fool, the unwise, now here's another point needs to be gotten today. The, the unwise uh, throws off all restraint. A chaotic life is one without direction. Uh, chaos, um, uh, I heard that word mentioned earlier. Um, about uh, the stuff we're bringing down from upstairs, we, about chaos. Uh, this is, this, we, we don't have a goal, we don't have a direction, and we're, and we're not willing to listen, to be taught, and we're not hungering for truth and for knowledge. Um, what's going to happen? You're, you're going to have a life. A fool, uh, uh, this is the unwise, this is the contrast, doesn't want to be restrained. He doesn't want restraints. He wants his way. Now, there's a difference between boldness and, and uh, being headstrong. Uh, a headstrong is like, here's a young man, he's 18 years old. I lived, my wife and I, we lived through this. I know a lot of you have lived through this, who have adult kids. He turns 18 years old, he says, I, don't, I can make my own decisions now, I don't have to listen to you. Problem is, he doesn't have a high school education or a job, and he's not have any means to support himself yet in any way, and he's still in our home. But he doesn't. But he's of age, and he doesn't have to listen to us. And at 18, he ups and finds somebody else that'll put him up, live there, and somebody without our knowledge, even you know that's going to happen. We are shocked and surprised when there's a car out front to pick him up and he's got a bag packed and his things, bye, bye mom, bye dad, I'm leaving. And he goes completely headstrong into a world where he's going to throw off all the restraint of sexual morals, right and wrong, truth, and everything that he was raised with because that was at that point in his life, it's more important to him that I make the decisions and nobody else does, than it is that those decisions are right and true and based on truth and wise. And guess what happens? Five weeks later, he was back home on the door crying because they threw him out. And he learned some things the hard way. And in those five weeks, my wife and I wept. I'll tell you, we were on the living room floor in each other's arms, crying every day before going to work because of what happened. Our hearts were broken 
when we, um, yes, last week we, we, were, we were busting and tearing up our cardboard boxes. <laughs> and if those things represent things that are no longer useful and fruitful, like our programs here, then that's good. We need to get, get ready to get out the old and the new. But if that thing that is restraining you from moving on happens to be wise counsel or listening to instruction or from hearing and submitting ourselves to the will of God, then that becomes a problem. When we have the idea or the, or the sight or the mantra that we're speaking that, look, if it, if it was done that way, and you know, the one thing you don't want to hear is, if that's the way my parents did it and that's the way they did it, I'm going to do the opposite just to show that I can make the decisions. If that's the way that we'd, have, we've always done things, we're, I'm going to make it a point not to do things that way anymore. We, gonna, we might have an attitude problem. What we want to do and say is, if, if it doesn't serve a purpose and it's not allowing us to be fruitful, it's time to make some changes. But um, just because something was done a certain way and, and we have some, doesn't mean it needs to be changed. We need to go back and find out why we are, why there's uh, a certain way, and that's that we're not following tradition, but that we're following truth, and we're not casting off restraint, right? A chaotic life without direction, purpose, does not reach a goal. It doesn't find success, and it doesn't bear fruit that lasts. In the New Testament, self-restraint or self-control is, in fact, a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. That means saying no to self. It means being disciplined to say Disciplining myself to say, I'm not going to do the things that I want to do in lieu of there's got to be a bigger and greater purpose. And if, this, and if I see that this is, especially if I see that this is going against all sound counsel and wisdom that was given to me by, um, in good faith by my parents, it might be a clue that I'm, do, I'm going in the wrong direction. So take care about how you walk. So this self-control or self-restraint the flesh, my fleshly nature, it wars against that. It don't want it. It don't want to submit. Romans 8 tells us that. This old flesh cannot serve God and please God. It cannot. It doesn't want to, and it's unable to. But the Spirit gives me the fruit of self-restraint or self-control, and that um, often comes by trial, fatherly discipline, and sometimes by suffering. So uh, we've got a couple of verses there. Proverbs 23, 12. Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. Um, Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline. This is the, about um, a discipline and um, putting aside my will. That, and that, this, it hurts a little bit, folks. Uh, remember Hebrews 12? It says that no discipline at the present time seems pleasant. It's unpleasant. But it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness because it causes me to get off the throne of my life and get out of the way and let God have his way in me to do in me and produce in me and make me a son that he loves like his own son. But he who hates reproof is... Who would have ever thought the word stupid would be in the Bible? <laughs> because you're harming yourself. You're sentencing yourself to failure, and maybe worse than that, maybe eternal loss. So, and then uh, 13, um, wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer doesn't listen to rebuke. Um, and then, then the, uh, right after that, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life, the one who opens his wide lips comes to ruin. Um, I want to speak, the, the, the scoffer, and this is like the kid, the kid goes on the, the uh, he's on the playground and, or he's at school, and the other older kids say, man, you, you ain't tried one of these yet. You have to puff on this, man. 
Oh, man. Oh, man, what's the matter with you, man? You still doing what your parents think? You still care about what your parents think? You still on your mom's, on your mom's purse strings or, or your uh, or apron strings? He mocks. The one who mocks. They don't, uh, they, they're, they're not happy unless they get other kids and other people to follow that example, which is without restraint. And they'll mock the one who does what's right because they've learned it from their parents. Why is that? One is fool. One's a fool. He's a fool. Why do I want to follow fools? Where's, where's a fool going to end up? <laughs> Somebody said it this way. He said, the, those fools who do that and don't have restraint, one day they're going to be calling the nerds later on in their life. They're going to be calling the, the little nerd kid boss. Man, so um, there is that. Uh, now flip over. I, we're going to run out of time, but I want to get you a couple of these. Uh, I'm going to try to really uh, rush through here. Wisdom is found with two things, two places. Wisdom is with the humble and it's with the hungry. Uh, James 4 talks about uh, God gives us a grace that God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble, the one who sees, I need it. I don't have it. I need light from you. I need the... I need instruction from you. I need the exhortation as well. And I need something to stir me up to get me want to follow you and get motivated to, to get past this flesh that doesn't want to sit down and read the Word. It wants to put the TV on and to pursue that. I need the hunger of God in me to, per, to pursue and do Him. So I su submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. The devil will flee from you when you finally decide to take that stand, who you're going to want to live for and who you're going to follow. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Be 100%. That's what pure purity means. You double-minded. You've got your mind in two worlds. You're going to have to put your back on the world. He who says he's a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's James again. Chapter 4 right there. Be miserable, mourn and weep. I need thee. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. He will exalt you. So wisdom is with the humble. The wise man knows he needs it. The wise man knows it's above him. I, I need to receive it. God will receive it. It must be desired and sought for as a treasure, uh, as a deepest treasure that you'll ever get while you're still walking on this planet. In the present tense, it's wisdom, the knowledge of God, a true experiential knowledge of Him. It has to be desired and sought for above all. God gave Solomon, who authored most of Proverbs, a you ask anything for me, I'll do it for you. Remember Solomon's question? I'll give you any request you can desire of me, God says. What is it? And, it's, and, and it was wisdom. I see before me the task to lead the people of God in a nation, in a world of nations that's hostile to him. And God, I don't have it in me to lead them, especially because I know my own inadequacies and my own failures. I need this, you to impart your wisdom to me and that knowledge for you. And God says, because you didn't ask for power, position, and wealth, I'm going to give you and bless you with that knowledge that you have asked for and give you all those other three things besides because he lived for something bigger than himself and it was the knowledge of God the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Proverbs 1 starts with that and the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction and then in chapter 9 verse 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One experiential knowledge is understanding the same knowledge and understanding through which God created all the heavens and the earth. He now wants to create my life to be looking like his life and his life in me, representing my life, representing his life that's in me and that can flow out of me by his spirit. And that comes first with the humility that I need this walk with him. Intentional and pure and I'm, I'm willing to do it and live it and act it. And I think that's what James, the brother of Jesus, was teaching in the book of James. 
It's going to be real or it ain't. It's going to be an act. It's going to be seen or it's not real. There. So, and then it's to the hungry. I want to get to those. Chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Wisdom goes to the ones who hunger for it and thirst. Look at this passage in uh, chapter 2. My son, my son. Oh, here we go again. The son is the, the, the intimate relationship that the father has with me and his desire for me. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make treasure, well, note that, where your treasure is there will your heart be also, Jesus said. If you will treasure the words that I'm giving to you in my instruction, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, to know you're doing things with knowledge and understanding, then, verse 4, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, it's there, I've got to search for it like I'm going gold mining, then you will discern the fear of the Lord. You'll see yourself finally as God sees you in His light and it'll, all the rest of the pieces will make sense. And I'm not just in dark wondering why I keep smacking my head into the same brick wall and keep stumbling at the same doggone triggers of temptation. Then, that for the mouth of the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you'll understand the right and discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Um, and, uh, and wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now uh, flip over to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse uh, these couple of verses here. Acquire wisdom. Acquire wisdom. Go after it. Get it. Seek it. Pursue it. Don't forget and don't turn away from the words of my mouth. This is the father to the son. Don't forsake her and she will guard you. Love her. Oh, do I have to read the Bible today? Oh, this is so legalistic. Well, you know, you don't have to, but then you won't you go, go off into the world and see how it goes. I mean, you are a free moral agent, but the pursuit and the... the, the uh, Exhortation is, man, you might, you might want to think about stirring up your heart and who's, and who's motivating your heart. Don't forsake her. Make it your treasure. Where is your treasure? She will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Acquire wisdom and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Um, prize her and she'll exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. <clears throat> oh, and she will place on your head a garment of grace and present you with a crown of beauty. 2323, buy truth. Don't sell it. Get wisdom and instruction for understanding. And if another pet place says, if it costs you everything that you have, get it. Pay the price. If you have to give up everything else you have to get this, to get this knowledge and uh, experiential knowledge and the wisdom of God, you best understand that that's the cost. Do it. Do it. All right. Um, so where, the wisdom that comes from above, uh, just look at the rest of these notes. I'll try to summarize it right here because we're uh, plenty over time. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ, and we have that, we have Him, and He is in us. Look at James chapter 3. And uh, we'll use this passage and we'll close here. The contrast between the God's wisdom and where, where, where it comes from and where it's going to. Where the, what the source is and where it leads to. Watch this. Who among you is wise and understanding? And this is James, the brother of Jesus. Let him show it by his good behavior, by the deeds and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom that is that which comes down, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, even demonic. 
When it causes, when there's bitter jealousy against others or selfish ambition, I, I need to do this, I need to see this happen, my, then you're, we, got, we got problems. There, there is disorder and there's every evil thing comes, chaos and disorder. Uh, that is, that's the type of knowledge and wisdom that's from earthly, it's human, it's on the horizontal level, and it's demonic. But the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure, Again, 100% undiluted. Then it's peaceable. It doesn't, it, it doesn't coerce. It's not, um, it doesn't put uh, uh, ultimatums of judgment over me. It, 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 I'm already a son. I'm a child. Nothing I can do can um, make God love me any more than he already does or make me, him love me any less than he already does. And, 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 and God's wisdom to me, the, His knowledge toward me, He pursues me. He draws me. And if I'm lacking truth and wisdom, it's because I'm not open to letting Him and His heart uh, enter in <coughs> and draw near to Him, because He's already trying to draw near to me. His wisdom is peaceable. It is gentle. It is reasonable. It is full of mercy. It is full of good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. It's not play acting. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. <coughs> the musicians, if you got a closing song, we'll I wasn't sure I was going to get through. Uh, I hope that um, the word from the Lord will both um, <coughs> help us get bearing and motivate <coughs> us in Christ. That peaceful fruit of righteousness in the event, <coughs> you see the bottom line there, causing us to live in success and victory over the world over the flesh, over <coughs> the devil, our adversary, and finally, to cause us to accomplish the missions God, God's for us. Proverbs 11, verse 30, which says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. And those who will win souls will be like the stars shining brightly in the heavens to the glory of God at that end. That's Daniel chapter 12. And that's what we want to see happening. Y'all can stand as we uh, pray together. And then if anybody wants, as usual, if you want prayer, you have prayer for needs, some praying for, um, for healings and for any needs that you have in your, in your life or in your family, feel free again. And um, Chris and I will be here and available. And, and um, one or two of the elders. So feel free to do that. Father, we thank you for... This morning, we thank you that you reveal us to, to us yourself and you're faithful and you're full of mercy towards us and you guide our steps. And it's enough. May we know that we've heard from you every day as we get up and, and uh, walk the house, that we're walking our walk and walking that path with you directing our steps. <clears throat> Mostly that we'll see that fruit of Jesus Christ in us and let, let us be hungry, let us be humble in um, our pursuit of you and on fire for you more now than we ever were than in the days when even we first met you and first knew you, that we can see Christ. This world which is in darkness will see that light brighter, shining brighter and brighter as the day um, and as we grow closer to that day when you're going to come in the clouds. I pray for our families and our marriages and, and Lord, uh, for moms and dads to be strong and to stand strong and to raise up uh, kids 
Lord, that know you and follow you. Let that be our desire as we go from here with the joy of the Lord being our strength and with the knowledge that you are for us and that God is for us who can be against us. We thank you and we give praise to you. And we, we honor you in all things and all ways today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.